Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm April Domboski. The battle for the Super Bowl is on. The Los Angeles Rams will take on the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday in the NFC Championship. The teams will play at the Rams Stadium, but there will be plenty of Niners fans in attendance trying to psych them out. One Niner fan who will be there dressed in red is Tony Knopp. He's the CEO of Ticket Manager, a company that manages sports tickets for big corporations. He lives in L.A., but he grew up in the South Bay, so he's loyal to the Niners. Knopp has been following the controversy that erupted earlier this week over who gets to buy tickets to this game. The conflict arose after a group of Niner fans made themselves a little too comfortable at a Rams home game earlier this month. There is a very large contingent of 49er fans in Southern California and another large contingent that will travel for events. The 49ers, as a team, are very well known as one of the best traveling teams in the NFL. Um, The vast majority of the fans at that regular season game were 49er fans. They were so loud that they made it difficult on the Rams uh, to run their offense, to play the game, where there was so much noise. Just because of the noise or because they were psyched out by because of the noise, because they were making noise while the Rams were trying to do the hut hut hike. And, um, you know, that's a that's a definite advantage that usually goes to the home team. And they literally couldn't hear. They literally couldn't hear each other. (laughs) They had to go to a silent count, which is what teams generally do when they play somewhere outside of their own home. And so the Rams for this game are trying to put controls in place to keep as many Rams fans in the building as possible, um, which has led to some controversy uh, about, you know, open markets. And, and it's made the game very, very popular. So it's a very expensive game to get into. It's sold out within 60 seconds um, in talking to Ticketmaster. And now there are people reselling their tickets for much more than they bought them for. How did they do that? How did they put controls over who could actually buy a ticket or not? They checked the zip code, the billing zip code of the buyer. Are they allowed to do this? So they are. Uh, there is precedence for this. And I think the um, unintended consequence is that a lot of ticket brokers with Southern California zip codes bought tickets and are now making a lot of money reselling them. So do you think this sports rivalry is something of a stand-in for a cultural rivalry between San Francisco yes. and L.A.? Oh, absolutely. 100%. There's always been the the North versus South, the you know, the, the funny quips and memes between San Francisco and Los Angeles and, and the difference between Northern California and Southern California. And it's, it's fun to have seen it from both sides. What's the nature of the, the cultural conflict? 
You know, it's generally, and it's changed a little bit over the years. Back um, in the 80s and 90s, the San Francisco Giants, for example, were more of a what, more of a blue-collar team than the Dodgers were. The, the Dodgers were the bigger brother in that rivalry, while the 49ers were the bigger brother in the Rams rivalry. Um, and the 49ers are more of the wine and cheese crowd. That's changed uh, over the past few decades. But the loyalty to the city itself and the Beat LA chant hasn't changed much. If you go to a, a, an event in the Bay Area, you're going to hear Beat LA chants. Um, they don't have a similar chant in Los Angeles, but the vitriol towards San Francisco Giants fans or San Francisco 49ers fans is, is the same. And I think the 49ers fans having such a broad showing in that last regular season game leads, it adds fuel to the rivalry. I think there's going to be some pretty passionate Rams fans showing up uh, this Sunday to prove that this is, in, quote, in fact, their house and that well, Niners fans are not going to come and take it over. I'm a bit of a fair weather sports fan when my local team gets to the playoffs. As that's, are we all. That's usually when I start to yep. tune in. Um, yep. So for folks out there who are not regular football fans, what's important to know about this game coming up? The Rams have spent a lot of their money trying to win right now. This team is built to try to win the Super Bowl now. They have a new stadium that they'd like to christen with the Super Bowl championship. They've spent a lot of money on free agents that are very expensive, and some, and it, it makes it difficult for them to win in the future. Um, they have a lot on the line for this currently. Uh, the 49ers, it's redemption. They were in the Super Bowl in 2020. They came one play short, uh, and there's an opportunity for them to get back to that. Tony, it's been really great talking to you. Thanks so much. Always. Thank you. Have a great time at the game, too. All right. We'll do what we can. That's Tony Knopp, CEO of Ticket Manager. Super Bowl fans will have to wear their face masks at the game. Even though L.A. County is past the Omicron peak, health officials say we can't get complacent. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports. L.A. County appears to be on the downward slope of the Omicron surge. County Health Director Barbara Ferrer estimated that the peak was on January 8th, but said the virus is still circulating. The numbers are coming down, but, you know, 26,000 new cases a day. It's pretty easy to unintentionally either pass on COVID or to become infected with COVID. The new BA2 subvariant has been detected in multiple states with four cases in L.A. County since the beginning of January. It's unknown if people who were previously infected with Omicron can get infected again with the subvariant, Ferrer said. But we know what works. Getting vaccinated or boosted and Wearing a mask in public spaces will decrease your chance of getting the virus. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S.
effects. California continues its study of how to make reparations to its black residents. At a meeting yesterday, the state's task force took up the thorny question of who should receive reparations. Secretary of State Shirley Weber argued compensation should be limited to descendants of slaves, people whose ancestors were kidnapped from their homeland and left with nothing after generations of forced labor. She said while black immigrants have suffered from racism in the U.S., they always had a country to return to. The California Reparations Task Force meets again today. Go to kqed.org to find out how to watch and participate. In rural Shasta County, about three hours north of Sacramento, a Republican county supervisor is the target of a recall, a recall initiated by a local militia leader. The election is next week, and the outcome could determine how far to the right this local government will move in an already deeply conservative county. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer reports. Turn on local talk radio station KCNR in Reading on any given morning, and you might hear the pandemic discussed like this on the Carl and Linda Bot Show. It's the vaccinated people that are shedding this new Omicron, and they're, they're spreading it. I haven't worn a mask in a long time, and, I don't... Uh, and I'm not going to. Mandatory masks and coronavirus vaccinations are not very popular in Shasta County, where Donald Trump won 65% of the vote in 2020. Like residents of many rural counties, people in Shasta are strongly Republican, many suspicious of government. The pandemic has been the match that lit a fire here, with voters packing county supervisors' meetings. Welcome to the regular meeting, the Board of Supervisors. In the Um, summer of 2020, Carlos Zapata, a former Marine and member of a local militia group, warned supervisors not to embrace pandemic mandates, which he said were hurting businesses and school children. But it's not going to be peaceful much longer, okay? And this isn't a threat. I'm not a criminal. I've never been a criminal. I'm telling you, good citizens are going to turn into real concerned and revolutionary citizens real soon. Zapata slammed them for not representing local values. In Shasta County, we're supposed to be red country up here. Take your masks off. Quit muzzling yourselves. Join us. Fight with us against what's going on in Sacramento. Zapata and many other volunteers collected enough signatures to force a recall election for District 2 Supervisor Leonard Modi. Over breakfast last week, this Republican, former Reading police chief, said he hardly recognizes the community he's lived in his whole life. It's very alarming and shocking to me. They try to shout you down and beat you up with their lies and information until such point as you just give up. The recall campaign is flush with almost a half million dollars in contributions from a wealthy out-of-towner who once tangled with the Board of Supervisors. Over the past year, as the recall gained steam, the soft-spoken Modi has faced personal threats aimed at him, his family, and his supporters. This feels very much to me like the Nazi party in the early 30s of the Germany where You know, they came out with their brown shirts and they intimidated people. They bullied them into silence. A key figure in the recall is well known for his political views and his haircuts. My name is Woody Clendenin and we're at the Cottonwood Barbershop, Cottonwood, California. Woody Clendenin is the leader of a local militia headquartered across the street. As he cuts a customer's hair, Clendenin describes what triggered the recall. Trimmer in hand, Clendenin acknowledges it isn't just the pandemic that fueled the recall, but also the county's strong gun culture and the feeling Supervisor Modi doesn't support the Second Amendment enough for this pro-gun county. Right now, 
Anytime you're in my barbershop, probably half the guys in here are armed, you know. The way he sees it, recalling Modi will shift control of the county board more to his liking. We can do all kinds of things, like we'll work on getting rid of the head of the uh, Shasta County schools. We'll get rid of the DA here. On a recent weekday afternoon in Redding, pedestrians strolled across the Sundial Bridge. Fishermen cast their lines into the Sacramento River below, the snow-capped peaks of Mount Shasta in the distance. The recall election was not on the radar of many voters I talked to, but longtime resident Sharon Jen said the recall is a big waste of money. I think it's just very sad that we all can't work together to keep our community safe. It's like a mob mentality at this point. Patrick Jones is one of two county supervisors who supports the Modi recall. He says the fundamental issue here is freedom. And here in conservative Shasta County, um, it's a course correction. And I think that's what it's all coming down to. Jones denies the recall is made up of radicals who want to essentially overthrow the government. But GOP consultant Mike Madrid, a strong critic of the party's drift to the right, says the outcome of this recall will say a lot about the party's future. I think it's very fair, very accurate to say that this is sort of a canary in the coal mine to see what is the likely direction of the of the state party in the coming years. Come Tuesday, voters will answer that question by determining which direction Shasta County goes. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer in Reading. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, a history lesson from San Francisco's gay mecca, the Castro. Gay heaven was so gay. Gay, gay, gay. We had a gay bank. Gay, gay, gay. <laughs> we had a gay church. Gay, gay, gay. We had a gay drugstore. We had a gay supermarket. You know, everything was gay, gay, gay. But in the 80s and 90s, at the height of the AIDS crisis, close to half of the city's gay men were dying. And for some, marijuana helped ease their pain. Back then, pot wasn't legal, and state politicians were cracking down on it. At the expense of people with HIV. One San Francisco pastor, though, changed the definition of communion and committed felonies to comfort his congregation. I took a risk. I used my body. I acted on a belief that was motivated by my desire to provide healing and comfort for my friends. And I didn't know what else to do that I could do, but this was something I could do, and I did it. Meet Jim Matulski, the marijuana minister of the Castro. He distributed marijuana to AIDS patients in church. Let your acts of love guide you, even if it means great risk. The greater the love, the greater the risk. You will never regret acts of great love. Hear more of Jim Matulski's story on this week's California Report magazine. Listen on your local station or download the podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, January 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Brendan Willard, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Stanford Medicine 
protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.